From the Harvard Negotiation and Mediation Clinical Program, this is Thanks for Listening, a podcast about bridging political divides in America. I'm Neil McGarrigan. And I'm Sarah Delnito-Budish. Today we'll dive deeper into a project that our guest Ben Fink told us about in our previous episode called Hands Across the Hills. Hands Across the Hills is a collaboration between some of Ben's friends and neighbors in Letcher County, Kentucky, and residents of Leverett, Massachusetts. After the 2016 election, when Leverett voted 86% for Hillary Clinton and Letcher County went 80% for President Trump, the partisan gulf between them seemed about as wide as the geographic gulf. So two groups of courageous folks from these two distant parts of the country decided to bridge that distance by literally eliminating it. On this episode, we chat with Paula Green and Gwen Johnson. Paula is one of the facilitators of the program, and Gwen is an active participant. In some ways, the two couldn't be more different. Paula self-identifies as liberal, while Gwen voted for Trump. Paula calls Leverett home, and Gwen hails from Letcher County. But Hands Across the Hills brought them together, and when they both joined the Zoom call for our interview, it was clear that they had formed a bond. Paula and Gwen share with us the Hands Across the Hills origin story and some reflections about the first of three long weekends the program participants spent together visiting each other's homes and communities. These visits were aimed not just at discovering what the participants had in common, but also at understanding some difficult issues through each other's eyes. You'll hear what happened when, after laying some groundwork, Paula knew it was, in her words, Trump time, and how trepidation on that 15-hour bus ride from Kentucky to Massachusetts turned to surprise and relief and lasting friendships. I thought we might start with you, Paula, just to hear a bit about kind of what led to this project for you. you your background work is peacebuilding. You founded the Karuna Center for Peacebuilding. You've done international work. So, Paula, how did, how did your work kind of lead to the project? And, and what were your approaches to doing this, this work in, in these communities? Well, I would say there are always um, s- s- several um, issues that create a decision. And one of the issues was the election of 2016. And that prompted me to want to do more work domestically because much of my focus for the past 25 years has been on conflicts overseas. But the pattern that I saw developing in this country around dehumanization and alienation between groups of people was the exact same pattern that I've been working on on three or four other continents. And I thought it would have been um, unethical of me not to turn my attention to what was happening here. That was, that was one reason. But I think the other reason is that I've, um, I've got these skills and I've been using them. And, and two things I wanna say about that. One is I've got the skills for dialogue and building, and building connections across very polarized and, and violent divides. And they seem to be useful here. And the other is that I've seen the impact of extensive dehumanization of the other result in armed conflict. And so I have, a, I have a great deal of worry for our own country. And that, that really called me to want to do something. And the fact that we wound up with Kentucky was, was really a delightful synchronicity. We, the people in our town want, got together after the election and decided we wanted to learn more about Trump voters so we could have more understanding of the direction our country was going in. And we tried locally and we kept failing because nobody wanted to talk to us. And I checked with ministers and social workers and community organizers, but there was, I think, so much resistance and fear that we would simply denigrate them and, and make them feel bad. And so there was no interest. And then um, one of our colleagues found an article written online by a, a gentleman named Ben Fink, who's from Hartford, Connecticut, but was organizing in uh, Whitesburg, Kentucky, in Letcher County. And his article talked about dialogue. And so we made a connection with him first, and it was he who made it possible for us to have the connection with Gwen 
any other people in Whitesburg, Kentucky. And because the two communities are in some ways quite different, it was a, a very rich experience for all of us. Well, and uh, so maybe I, if I can ask just a follow-on question before getting some of Gwen's perspective, but one of the things you said that I I really perked up at because we think about it a lot and it's really at the at the heart of this show is this this notion of the sort of dehumanization of the other and you know how how that affects us as communities and how it affects us as a as a country but how did you see it showing up in the United States you said you sort of started to see parallels to the work you've done in, internationally but what were you sort of i guess keying into locally or or in or nationally that that made you start thinking about this well, I was I was hearing a lot of it before the election, but it certainly has continued after the election, where um, different groups of people were demonized by other groups of people and called um, a very rough and uncouth names. And I feel like um, prejudices and stereotypes that had been lying low in our country for a long time and were not being named quite as quite as vigorously, there was suddenly permission to, to name the worst about the other. So that without face-to-face and hand-to-hand connection, we really don't know the other and, and don't even want to know the other. Mm. So that was, that was your perspective from where you sat at, around the election. And I want to bring you in, Gwen. You know, you, you live in Letcher County. What was it like in your community? What was, that, what was the election sort of before you even heard of Hands Across the Hills? What was your experience of sort of divides um, around politics or other issues in your community? Well, I, I am uh, friends with a lot of people on both sides of the aisle. And so um, I was hearing from my liberal friends that they were downcast and um, some of the LGBTQ community um, thought it was the end of everything for them. Uh, some of them had ju- just gotten married and um, they were really worried. And then part of the community was pretty jubilant. Um, they were pretty um, adamant that America was going to be great again. And so I felt like I somehow dance right in the middle of the aisle sometimes and don't really tell my political views much because I don't want to uh, offend anyone and I think everybody's entitled to how they feel and how they vote and our culture doesn't usually delve into the reasons that people vote the way they do or whatever and we don't even ask each other how we're going to vote. Well and did you experience or did, did you get a sense um, or have a sense uh, I guess firsthand with some of the dehumanizing or the the sort of demonization that Paula was talking about. Yes, because I voted for Trump, um, and so I was in spaces where folks didn't know I voted for Trump, and they were really slamming Trump voters. But I just kept quiet about how I voted, and until we all climbed on that bus going to Leverett, Massachusetts, most of the people in that entourage, well, indeed, some of them might have thought they knew how I voted, but none of them knew for sure until we were on that bus going north. Yeah, I'm, I'm super curious to hear about that bus ride and what happened next. And just before we get there, um, I'm curious to hear more about the 
the hopes for the program and the setup of the program. So, Paula, what were your hopes for the setup of it? How was it meant to work and what were you planning to do during the um, connections or the sessions that connected you with, with Letcher County? Well, the first thing was to let everybody know on both sides of this divide that we were not in the business of trying to change each other's opinions or push each other to um, recount on their vote and vote differently. We understood that that would have been um, unproductive and would have resulted in a, a very negative experience. What we wanted to do was to deepen our understanding of other people with other votes and other perspectives and other life experiences. So the sessions were designed for deepening understanding and developing empathy. And because I've worked overseas, I have a deep belief in long form programs. And I would have been happy if I could have had a week, but of course I couldn't. And three day weekends felt like the most that people could be away and the least that I felt I needed to to build the kind of community I wanted to build. And so we agreed on three day weekends and we agreed that they would come to Massachusetts. And that was pretty scary for some of them as Gwen will tell you, but they arrived on a Thursday night and left on a Monday morning. So we had three very full days and four nights. And one of the things that I, that I decided to do that turned out to be highly successful was to place people in homestays with Leverett families rather than in hotels so that we could really build intimacy because staying in someone's home is about as intimate as you can get. And, and those turned out to be some of the longest lasting friendships um, in the whole community because they had that experience of living together. Uh, I structured the day around three hours of dialogue in the morning that I facilitated and very carefully structured dialogue. And then in the afternoons and evenings, I had other ways of getting to know each other because not everybody is most responsive to sitting on a hard chair for three hours and with having words um, going back and forth. And so we had a square dance, we had music every night, we had art, we had theater, we had sightseeing, we had endless meals. We had all kinds of ways to be, build a community aside from the structured dialogue. And all of that mattered. And how many people were you working with? What we had expected was 15 and 15. There were 15 or 16 of us and we had asked Ben to find 15 or 16 from Letcher County. And it didn't work out that way because people were scared, didn't want to come, where people had lives that were too complicated to allow them to come. And so we wound up with 11, and three of them were teenagers, much to our surprise, because he, he couldn't fill the group with adults. And so we had 11 Kentuckians and 15 or 16 Massachusetts people. And it worked out fine. And so, Gwen, back to the bus ride. <laughs> You're about to get on a, a, a bus to, up to Leverett, Massachusetts, to do one of these homestays to participate in the sessions. Um, take us through what was going through your mind and um, kind of what your hopes were, what your fears were. Well, the hopes were to make some new friends and the uh, concerns were that they wouldn't be able to forgive those of us who voted for uh, Mr. Trump. And so it was, uh, it was a hard time getting ready to go in the back of my mind. Um, I kept thinking, you're probably stupid for doing this. And then um, the local people were saying, what in the world are you thinking? Those people are going to hate you all when you all get there. But it was, it was well worth doing. And I'm so glad that I did it. It sounds like some of what 
or a lot of what Paula was saying about how scary it was really resonated with you and maybe and with some of the others. Yeah. And I'm not really scared of anything mm-hmm. uh, other than I don't like to offend people if I can keep from it. And I, I just uh, thought it was kind of a hot seat kind of thing. And um, right at the last minute, I would have liked to just call in sick or something. But um, if you uh, know Ben Fink, you can't call in sick with him because uh, <laughs> he won't allow you to cop out, you know. So, <laughs> um, and so I just showed up and said, well, we'll let the chips fall where they may here. And there was a lot of discussion on the bus and, and we were kind of a divided crew because there were folks who voted for Hillary Clinton on the bus, as well as those of us who voted for Trump. And there were haves and have nots on the bus as well. And so we had a lot of discussion and some contention and disagreement about how to present and what to present and were really pleasantly surprised when we arrived in a place that I had perceived to be a city. And we rolled into this quaint little New England village uh, about 10, 30 or 11 o'clock at night. And we're met by an entourage of very kind folks who immediately took us in hand and led us to their houses and put us up in um, the best possible accommodations and the kindest of environment. So yeah, we were pretty bowled over by the hospitality and the kindness and the openness and the willingness to listen. And when I say all that, I'm not saying that it was not without button heads some, because we did butt heads quite a bit in those discussion groups. But you couldn't ask for better hospitality or people striving to understand because I think that, that that was the bottom line to the whole thing. We were striving to understand why this divide was there and didn't want it to go on. Yeah, and as, and it sounds like that speaks to the community building piece that you were you were talking about, Paula. Um, and it's so interesting to hear, Gwen, that there was sort of this dialogue and discussion on the bus before the dialogue with Leverett even begun, and and just uncovering some of the complexity even with uh, within your own group was part of was was just sort of connected with this experience. Um, and I wonder if if now might be a good time, Paula, to to delve a little bit more into how you set up these dialogue sessions. Again, once, you know, folks from Letcher County arrived in Leverett, Massachusetts, uh, how did the sessions run? How did you facilitate three hours of, of dialogue about really challenging issues? Well, what I thought about was the strategy of how to um, develop topics that would lead us into more understanding and connection and would not be fraught with negativity. And I decided to focus on families for the first day. For better and for worse, we all have them. And so it's something we have in common. And I felt it would be um, a much better place to start than to start with politics, which is, is so fraught with conflict right now. And it turned out to be a very good idea because it gave us a window into each other's souls. We learned what it was like to be from a family in Letcher County, Kentucky, where 
fathers and brothers and sons and uncles were dying from black lung disease or were maimed or killed in coal accidents. We learned what Gwen meant when she says that all of them have coal dust in their veins because coal was truly the only occupation. We learned what it was like to live in a coal camp. All of that was really important for us in terms of seeing our Kentucky colleagues in a, in a very deep dimension, in a full human dimension of what life is like in your family, in your community, in your household. And they, on the other hand, had a chance to listen to stories that were very different. We had um, several people who were first-generation Americans whose parents had escaped the Holocaust, and they told very passionate stories. We had other people whose families have been here maybe two generations, three generations, which is different than Kentucky, where people have been settled in a lot longer. And so we had different kinds of ethnic experiences and religious experiences that made us quite unusual for the Kentuckians, and that was good for them. And they learned the intimacy of our lives and we of their lives. And I felt that on a three-day event, I had day one to build the community, day three to um, say goodbye to the community and make future plans, and day two to deal with the hard things. So in my mind, I knew that day two would be the day for Trump and hot button social issues, and it was, but we were ready because we had built a very sweet foundation of caring and connection on the first day. And Gwen, could you say maybe that's, I mean, that's perfect to, to ask you, what was your perspective of that first day? How did it work for you? How did, how did you come into it? What was your impression when you actually got into the middle of this discussion and this, this um, sort of exchange of values and stories, et cetera, that are based on family? Well, being from a marginalized culture, I felt that we were really um, being pampered and kind of mollycoddled when someone even wanted to hear about our people and our and the place we come from, because most of the time we're talked about, we're not talked to, and we're certainly not listened to, as I think that we have a right to be. And so that was all a very pleasant thing. And I did wonder about where it would all lead, where the discussions would all lead. But what seemed to happen magically under Paula's facilitation was that suddenly we became very human to each other. Instead, you know, somebody in the group said that before we arrived, we were cardboard cutout figures sort of what the media had painted us to be in the decades of poverty porn or uh, po poverty pornography when you know it's just sensational to show the worst of the worst the dirtiest of the dirty the laziest of the lazy and so following up on that first day you know you you have the participants all have the opportunity to hear and and listen to each other. How did that, if at all, change your experience of day two from what you might have expected or what you might be used to of, of I think, as you mentioned, Paula, like really getting into the the ch more challenging issues? Um, maybe Gwen, sticking with you, is this is this where you felt some headbutting occur? And, and what was that like for you? Well, there were elephants in the room. And those elephants in the room were things like guns, politics, certainly. Um, religion, culture, the haves and the have-nots, class, 
And so there were a lot of elephants um, in the room that had to be addressed. And that I kept thinking, okay, let's get on with it. But it was not time just yet because we didn't know each other well enough. You know, I think if those things had been approached early on, it might have ended with that one visit. Paula, you know, you're in the room as the facilitator during this, too. And I wonder if you can um, talk about the intentions behind that setup as the facilitator and uh, maybe not just in this in the first visit, but across, I believe there have been three visits now. So thinking about how to build towards the more challenging issues. Okay, so let me let me go. Let me do some backtracking first in terms of what Gwen was saying to fill a few things in the exercise on Friday when they first got there. Um, the one about families, I began that with an art exercise. I brought in a, a colleague in town who's an artist, and everybody was given a square of paper and uh, lots of different art supplies, and each person made a quilt square about their family in any, any, any definition of family they had, any way they wanted to do it. And so we began to break the ice even before we got into the dialogue circle with playing with art materials together. And then we hung them all up on a quilt as if to say we're all one. And when we went to Kentucky six months later, we brought them and gave them to the library there and they hung them in the library. So that, that was a very meaningful first experience for us. And that led to the family stories. So, so everything was quite carefully designed. We had a theater exercise, Ben does theater and another colleague of mine is a theater professor and he came also. And it was a spectrum exercise and to get at the gun issue, I said to people, what makes you feel safe? And some people said, if everybody has a gun, then we're all safe. <laughs> Other people said, if nobody has a gun, we're all safe. And so we stood on that spectrum line for the exercise. And it was, I thought, a, it, it was a pretty effective way of looking at the differences. And the issue was not the guns, the issue was the safety. We're thinking about how do we create safety in our community. So that was Friday. And then Saturday morning, we had a open house. Um, and that was a spectacular event. We didn't know what to expect, but we invited members of the people who live out here, anybody in Western Mass to an open house. And we set up 50 chairs and 300 people came. Wow. Because, you know, because this project, although it's very small, was a token of hope in very bleak times. Because so many people in our country are aware of the divisiveness and the dehumanization that's occurring and the and the, the violent language that's accompanying all of this. And here was something positive with people coming from um, very different parts of the, of the country, very different experiences, but coming together to learn about each other. And Gwen did beautifully um, talking about her personal stories. And, and, and the more people spoke, the more the people from Western Massachusetts stood up and cheered. And the more they cheered, the more the Kentucky people spoke. So it was a, a lovely loop of really, of really gen generating positive regard. And, I, and from what I heard from our Kentucky people over time, it was extremely meaningful to them. They were really accepted here and listened to as they have not been listened to. Yes. And, and then after lunch, we went into our own dialogue circle and I thought, well, now it's Trump time. And we opened up the issue of the politics. And, and as Gwen said, it was bumpy, but it was also respectful. And we kept reminding ourselves over and over to listen, um, to open our hearts, to um, not um, counteract, not argue, but just listen to stories. And we listened to a lot of stories about coal and coal mines and jobs and, 
and struggles, and they listened to our struggles and uh, our concerns about this new administration, which was new at the time. And the fact that we could do it and get through it together, I think was a relief to all of us. And then Saturday night, we had a, we had a dance, we celebrated. And uh, it was a kind of celebration of being able to talk together about these things. And it mattered a lot. Well, and it's been now not just one long weekend, but three long weekends, I think, as Sarah mentioned. Yes. Um, and, you know, after, after, and you've been, you've been part of all three of those, each of you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm curious now, Gwen. Having been through those three, what your, what the whole experience has done for you, and the way you now view your connection with with others with whom you disagree, your connection with the folks from Leverett, but sort of broadly speaking, your approach to, you know, political differences and how it's affected the way um, you know you interact with um, and think about people who might see some of the issues very differently than you do. I think that it has uh, stretched my uh, mind, and now that it's been stretched, it, co- it can't go back to its original size. <laughs> I love that. I That's love funny. it too. <laughs> go um, win. <laughs> uh-huh. But I, I think that any time that that we are challenged, and it was very challenging. I think anytime we rise to that challenge, uh, then we gain insights that we would not have otherwise had. And so I really think that the whole exchange and listening to people of different views and different perspectives and just all the differences that were present, most especially in that first exchange, all of those differences have really broadened my consciousness as far as being open-minded. There was a man from Massachusetts that told me that he almost fell off his chair when he found out uh, the reason that the folks in the Cofields uh, mostly voted for Trump is because of jobs. Because I think the perception across the nation is that our folks don't want to work. And he said he almost fell off his chair when I said that in that initial public gathering. I want to I want to ditto everything that Gwen is saying. And and the other thing is that I think what we learned about each other, we all extrapolate to other others. So mm-hmm. I find myself, if, if people were talking about somebody from Nebraska, you know, or, or some other part of the country who's not from Kentucky, but they, they have some of the same struggles as Kentuckians have around loss of jobs and opioids and isolation, et cetera, I defend them also. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't agree with their votes, but, but, I, but I, I understand the humanity in a way I didn't before. So for me, the whole purpose of this dialogue is, is First, that, that we have the experience, but then that we take that experience and, um, and extrapolate it out to, to other groups that we meet and realize that they also have stories and struggles and are worthy of our compassion instead of our judgment. That's been a big change for me and I think for the people in Leverett. Mm-hmm. And I think for the hundreds of people who have um, come to the open events or read about the, the constant coverage in the local papers everybody's more sensitive around these issues and that matters tremendously to me and our hope is that because we've had three visits um, we're very close to each other 
I had I had one little anecdote I, I want to share. As I told you, there were several Holocaust stories in the group, and that was on the first day and, and very um, eye-opening for everybody. I think for our Kentuckians, hearing those mm -hmm. stories was kind of new. And then sometime in the following year, there was a, a mass shooting at a Pittsburgh synagogue, and several of the Kentuckian people wrote to the Massachusetts people and said, oh, this could have been you. Mm. And I'm really sorry. And that for me was a reminder of the kind of empathy that builds and people hold in their hearts. That matters a lot. Well, it's just amazing to hear how it's it's hit home for, for both of you individually and as part of your communities. We have just loved every minute of, of our conversation today. And we're so grateful to each of you for um, for joining us and sharing your experience and for the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you both. Paula, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear yours too, Gwen. Lots of love to you. Lots of love. Gwen Johnson is a lifelong Kentuckian and an early care and education coach by trade, but she told us she prefers the title hillbilly woman. Paula Green is a professional facilitator and consultant working to transform conflict, bridge divides, and strengthen peace in the U.S. and abroad. She's the founder and senior advisor of the Karuna Center for Peacebuilding and is Professor Emerita and founder of the Contact Programs at the School for International Training. On our website, you'll find links to information about Hands Across the Hills and stories about all three of the group's visits with each other, including a short feature film about the Levitt residents' visit to Letcher County. Our website is hnmcp.law.harvard.edu slash podcast. There you'll find all the materials for today's show, as well as a full transcript and past episodes. And now, now that we're five episodes into our 10-episode journey around the country to learn about organizations and individuals who are working to understand and bridge the political divide in America, we wanted to, to check in. The stories that we've heard are diverse and, and heartening and often surprising, and we are excited for the next five episodes and grateful that you have joined us this far. So if you know of a group or individual who's doing this kind of work, or if you're engaged in this work yourself, or if there's just a particular topic or theme that you're hoping we'll cover or that you're curious about, let us know. Send us an email at hnmcp at law.harvard.edu or find us on Twitter at hnmcp. We'd love to hear from you. As always, we are extremely grateful for the help and support of our colleagues at the Harvard Negotiation and Mediation Clinical Program, especially Tracy Blanchard and Bria Etienne. Thank you to Kate Ellis, our producer, and to the folks at the Harvard Media Production Center, where we do our recording. Theme music is made available to us, courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions, and this podcast was made possible by a grant from the American Arbitration Association's International Center for Dispute Resolution Foundation. You will hear us again soon on our next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>